This is A Drink with a Friend. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. And normally I'm here with my co-host, Seth, but Seth is unable to record this week. So I thought it'd be fun to talk to somebody else for a little bit. But first, before I get into that, I want to share with you a quote that I keep hearing from you guys on social media that has really, that it really meant a lot to you when I shared it a few weeks ago in Five Quick Things. It's from the great writer G.K. Chesterton, who probably said this, I don't know, 100 years ago, 100 plus years ago. And I thought of it, especially right now during the pandemic, when we're all feeling pretty cabin fevered at home. And it's this, this is what he says. Of all modern notions, the worst is this, that domesticity is dull. Inside the home, they say, is dead decorum and routine. Outside is adventure and variety. But the truth is that the home is the only place of liberty, the only spot on earth where a man can alter arrangements suddenly, make an experiment or indulge in a whim. The home is not the one tame place in a world of adventure. It is the one wild place in a world of rules and set tasks. I love that quote so much, and I found it really fitting for today's episode because my special guest is none other than my husband, Kyle Oxenreiter. Hey, Kyle. Hello. Hello. All right. As you know, since you edit the show, we start off talking about what we're drinking. So tell the good listeners, what are you drinking right now? Uh, I am drinking the dredges of the French press from this morning. I've been working long hours lately, so I just needed a little pick-me-up while we chat. Yeah, you have been working really long hours. So, you know, you have earned a 6 p.m. coffee, I guess, if that's what you want. (laughs) I personally cannot do that, but you do you. I know I will watch you fall asleep tonight sometime while we're watching a movie. So you you don't seem as affected by caffeine as I am. Right. How about you? Well, it is the first day in my book of 2021 that has legit felt really warm. I mean, I don't, I say that. I know we've had some warm days, but today's high, I think was like 78 or something. So it's really starting to feel like spring. And I kind of have a drink that I really like when it's warm and I feel like being outside and that's a gin and tonic. So I think this is my first gin and tonic of 2021. Now I say tonic, it's a pretend gin and tonic because I'm not real here. So what I do is I put in a shot of gin And then I crack open a can of sparkling water. And listeners of the show know I like the local grocery store brand flavored sparkling water. So H-E-B and it's coconut flavored. And so I feel like I'm drinking a sort of a tropical-y drink because I also put in a splash of lime and it's legit good. So listeners, if you want a gin and tonic, but don't want to make the effort to be fancy, just put your sparkling water in a cup and toss a shot or so, or even just a splash of gin. And there you go. You've got a pub worthy drink. That sounds great. That sounds really good. It is very good. I recommend it. It's been a long week, like really long. And so you and I are both saying we're recording this on a Thursday. It, it feels like a Friday. And so we've got that kind of sad, evening feeling of wishing it were the weekend, but it's not quite yet. So this is me trying to extend the weekend, I guess, a little bit by pretending like it's already Friday. It's not. Right. Well, you've been doing school from home virtually. And normally, because the kids go to school 
Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday's kind of like that soft Friday mm-hmm. because the next day the kids aren't in, like they're in school, but they're at, at school at home. Right. So our particular school, we had a couple of COVID cases this past week or last week, actually. And so that just means the whole school went virtual while we all got COVID tested. Our household is negative, but um, it did mean we schooled virtually and I taught virtually. And it is remarkable how much more exhausting that is, like truly exhausting. And today is my long teaching day. And so I basically want to be in the fetal position by the end. Like I was after my classes, I took our dog Jenny on a walk and I could barely think straight. I was just sort of walking and staring off into space and enjoying not staring at a screen because, I mean, I know so many listeners have this experience having kids on Zoom nearly all day or you're working remotely and you're on a screen. So I know I'm not alone here when I say like by the end of days like this, you just the last thing you want to do is look at a screen. And of course, here we are looking at a screen. Do you prefer teaching virtually or going into the school? I always prefer in-person because I really like being around the teens. Like, honestly, my favorite part of that this hat that I wear is actually physically being around the kids and being around other staff members. Like, I'm an introvert, but it's surprising to me how much I crave leaving the house and just being around other human beings. And so it feels so nice. Um, so when we're at home, I, I can manage, I can make do, but it is a whole different beast teaching through a screen. It's a different, you know, you have to think through the different tactics of engagement, different, like a game plan for your day for how to discuss a book, how to talk about writing. I mean, it is challenging doing that. Even if we are, you know, typing essays on a screen, it's still really hard to talk about writing through a screen. So my whole day, the way I communicate to the kids is different. And I find talking about literature on a screen, it's easier than like math. I mean, grace and peace to all the math and science teachers doing this virtually. But it's hard to keep kids engaged talking about a physical book. Um, whenever we are talking about it virtually. I much prefer us. We kind of have a Socratic method school and we we sit in a circle. You know, we're all socially distant. So it's a giant circle for not a lot of kids six feet away, but it's still in person. And I much prefer that. But it is what it is. You know, we are we're all doing what we can do. Good, good. Well, since I have you as the guest And there's, you know, a lot of things we could talk about that are particular to our unique quirky family. I thought it would be really fun to talk with you about our home renovation. You know, longtime listeners know that we have been renovating the house that we live in for a while now from when we backpacked around the world to, you know, parked here in Central Texas after living in Oregon and deciding to relocate here and finding the house that was just right for us in our small little historic town. So you are the chief, I guess you would call it contract. You're the general contractor of our work because you actually used to be literally a contractor. So you know what you're doing all the way from, you know, foundation to handing the homeowner the key. It's just this time we're also the client. So we're doing this for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I thought it'd be fun to talk with you a little bit about, uh, you know, pulling back the curtain and telling the listeners what exactly we're doing. And then, you know, the the topic of this show is sacramentality. What does it mean to see the divine in all things? And it's easy to forget that with a lot of really basic, ordinary things like home. 
Um, right. but, but you and I both attest to being able to really see the beauty of what it is we're doing, even in the midst of the hard. So let's park first at the what. Tell us a little bit about what it is we're doing. Um, okay. So we are, I think, just taking advantage of a fixer upper, leaning more on our skills of being able to fix up a home and therefore we can get a less expensive home rather than gain a home that's totally move-in ready, but having to pay a lot more, having to pay the um, market value of what we might be able to sell our home for if we you know, ever get to that point. Yeah, we told each other whenever we were traveling, you know, I think we can both look back and see our time in Oregon when we lived in a small town as really fertile soil for giving both of us a heart for living in a small town, especially a small town that has a bit of culture, uh, you know, something unique about it, whether it's artsiness or good food or, you know, a lot of history. And the town here, Georgetown, has all of that. And yeah. I grew up in Austin going to Georgetown maybe once or twice a year because I had dance recitals up here at the local university. And even when I was a kid, I remember thinking, this is such a quaint, beautiful, small town. And I I felt more at peace when we were here coming from the suburbs of Austin. And so we both said, okay, if we are going to relocate to Central Texas, where perhaps it's not as aesthetically pleasing, I mean, just point blank, you know, I, I think most people would objectively agree that Oregon has a lot of visual beauty going for it. Yes. A lot of geography, a lot. I mean, just the trees and the mountains can't help but be beautiful in the background. And so it has that going for it. So if we were going to relocate to central Texas, which has its own kind of beauty, we really would like to try to live in Georgetown. Now we knew that came with a price tag because it, that price tag was either financial or sweat, really, right? Mm -hmm. Because this neighborhood that we live in, we could not afford a fully renovated house. They are so expensive and they go so fast. Right. And in fact, the house that we live in now wasn't even fully on the MLS. The way we happened to be able to get it was because our realtor knew a person who knew a person that made it, you know, something that we were able to slide in with an offer. Otherwise, I don't think we would have been able to to snag this house. And we kind of had to get what we got. If you think about it, it wasn't like we had 20 different choices to be in this neighborhood. We just knew we wanted to be in this neighborhood and we had a fixed budget. We, we couldn't just spend an infinite amount of money. And so that's how we landed where we are. The other thing that we found when we were living up in Oregon and different places was that we had the idea of like, it would be really nice to live in a small town outside of a big city. Yeah. So we have, you know, the quaintness of the small town, but the amenities not too far away. You know, this this isn't the um, the mark of, you know, arriving in life, but the closest IKEA was three and a half hours away. Here, it's two exits down the freeway. Yeah, it's more like a bellwether uh, having an IKEA. It's not so much a thing we actually need. It's just for us a little sign of how what size the city is. And so we love the thought of living in an area that has a lot of local independent restaurants and shops that we can walk to mm -hmm. and had a certain neighborliness. And we found what, what we have 
I think in spades, we live near, I don't know how many coffee shops. One is literally 200 steps from our front porch. It's on the other side of the house that's across the street from us. We can walk to our library. We can walk to all our date night restaurants. We hardly go anywhere anymore. And we're getting new things all the time. Right. So yeah, there you go. And, you know, so Seth and I do like talking about sacramentality. You and I like talking a lot about location and why location matters. And I feel like there's an intersection here about home and location and where you kind of dig your roots and dwell and the sacramental nature of living within your land, living as though where you are matters. And Mm -hmm. I think there is something in particular to that when it comes to renovating. And so I thought, because you are our general contractor, you could unpack a little bit about the sacramental nature of what it is we're doing. First, talking about what it means to renovate something old versus buying something new. Not at all for one minute saying it's bad or wrong to do that, because I know tons of listeners live in houses much newer than ours. And that's perfectly fine. I would just like to hear from you a little bit what it is you're learning about God, about finding beauty by renovating something old. Oh, man, this is, you know, you told me that we'd be talking about this. And it's not necessarily like I've been thinking about this just today, leading up to the this time that we're talking. But um, this is something that I've even just thought about over the whole entire course of this renovation is what's the point of this? What is, um, you know, why am I doing this? What are, you know, and then what are the negatives? What are the positives? Um, there's, and there's plenty of both. Um, when, when we got this house, I knew that there was going to be a lot of work. And as much as I really wanted to be able to drop a bunch of money down and hire people to do things. And and I knew that I would be having to lean heavily on who, how God has made me the skills that he has given me, my brain, the way that I see things um, and just the, the visions of what this house could be Mm -hmm. as well as just the patience to, wake up each day and just do the thing in you know in front of us yeah. the next thing that's screaming the loudest you know when we moved in we just we gutted the kitchen so for a couple months we did not have a kitchen and so that was my my main focus was like okay we need you know do what we need to do to get a kitchen and today i I stop and look at the kitchen and I kind of think, oh my goodness, how did I do that? How, <laughs> how did I come up with that? Uh, the, the idea of putting these things there, um, getting the pipes in the right place, things like that. Well, honestly, as somebody who has a brain that works considerably different than yours, I look around my house, our house, and I think the exact same thing. I think, how does he have the brain to know how the pipes go. Like it really astounds me to this day that you can go under the bathtub and just from my perspective, just bang around for a couple hours and then reemerge all dirty. And you can say done. Like I, I completely 
redid the pipes. I re-updated the pipes of this 1935 mm -hmm. house. That blows my mind. I, I don't understand that. And yet I'm so grateful that there are people like you who do so that I can do other things while you do <laughs> what you do well. And I remember you saying, especially early on, but I think this is still true. When you are renovating something old, you get an idea of the history of where you are in the most ordinary of ways. It's not so much that something historic happened in this house, because it's not, you know, we didn't get a historical marker for this house. It's just an ordinary family house. But do you remember like when we were peeling back the wallpaper, when we oh, first yeah. moved in and we were peeling up layers of carpet? And I feel like in particular, the wallpaper, you could look at the decades go by, like there's mm -hmm. the 80s, there's the 70s, you know, oh, there's mm -hmm. the 50s, 40s, all the way to the 30s. And to me, it was just, it was almost like a scrapbook of a family's life. And we found some newspaper clippings in the wall. And do you remember there was one that it was a movie listing, like at the local movie theater, which might be that palace theater. I don't know if that's what they had. We have this old looking um, theater that now does community plays and stuff on the square. Right. And that newspaper came into our house and whoever lived here looked at that. And I mean, I don't know. They, they ended up using it for, I guess, insulation or whatever, whatever reason. Something it was like that. You know, they're, you know, just with the construction of the house. I mean, it probably slipped underneath baseboard. I can't remember where we found it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that is interesting to delve into something that's been around and kind of deconstruct it and, you know, try to figure out the past. Um, yeah. You know, I, I've never really thought of wanting to be an anthropologist or, you know, somebody that or a historian or things like that. I, I don't have the patience. I know that it really does matter. And I'll share a little bit more about that later. But knowing what I know about modern home construction, as I was taking off the sheetrock off of walls to see, oh, this is how they built homes back in the 1930s. Correct me if I'm wrong. The studs are made of like, it feels like really solid, heavy wood. That's the other thing, because in 1935, we have this old growth, I mean, super heavy, southern yellow pine tight grain wood that you can't find anymore. It's almost like when I was rebuilding some walls, it felt like a disrespect <laughs> to the home go to Home Depot and buy a $2 uh, two by four. But that's what we have now. But that's what we have now. And right. so, you know, when the next people come along and, <laughs> um, and renovate, they'll see, oh, this is the original wood. And this is, you know, beautiful wood. And, oh, this is the wood that they had in the early 2000s. Right. <laughs> wow. Boy, why did they pick this? Yeah. Right. Like what we see on home renovation shows that look like an 80s kind of slap on. We're going to have, we're going to be those people. Right. In, yeah. in fact, I mean, speaking of the the old studs and stuff like that, the wood is so beautiful that with the walls I took out, I saved those, those two by fours and have actually made the floating shelves in our kitchen right. out of those. Yeah. Which is really cool. I love the thought that those still live in the house and now they're actually on display, which is yes. Fun. Yes. And so, you know, seeing there's, there's a couple of things that I've really, um, have seen just a change in, in me or just the things that I would value. Um, you really kind of 
know somebody by just watching them and finding out what they value. And sometimes I wish I was somebody that didn't care that I could just go and get the cheap um, or, you know, the, the least expensive, or, you know, sometimes I just kind of have to like cringe as I'm nailing on some baseboard. That's the inexpensive pine because that's what we can do. Right. You know, as opposed to going to a nice lumber outlet and paying three, four, five times the amount of money. It would also probably be faster <laughs> if, if you didn't care so much. But there is a plus side to caring. Right, right. There's a plus side to caring, and but there's also a plus side to just getting the job done. Yeah, of course. And so there are some times where I have to make that sacrifice of like, okay, this is not really what I would choose. And this is really not what the house deserves, but we need this done. We need baseboards. We need... <laughs> Yeah. A, you know, a four piece bathtub and shower set, as opposed to the, the nice subway tile, you know, shower stall that we had envisioned. Well, and I think, you know, I've talked online for years now, and you know, from our, our past about the idea of partial solutions, mm-hmm. this, this concept that I think is just as beautiful as respecting the history of something, the idea of understanding your your finite limitations. You know, we are limited by the wood that not only we can afford, but that is more readily available in 2021. And that means having to get things that are, we just have at our disposal versus, you know, sourcing original old growth pine for the insides of our walls. That would just be a frustration, especially as we live in the renovation project. I don't think that, that this is the kind of project that requires that sort of detail. Found a couple of times, um, you know, I, I wish I was a creator in coming up with original ideas. Now, I'm kind of one of those people that if somebody comes to me and says, hey, you know, could you do this or could you do that? I could be like, yeah, I could do this. Or, you know, I could do that. But me just sitting on the couch and thinking of original ideas does come difficult for me. However, there are some parameters with this house that I just like, you know what? I I do like the openness of the, you know, like our living room kitchen. There is, I mean, fortunately, you know, like with the refrigerator, I was able to create a space where it, it looks like a built-in refrigerator, but it's built into a wall. Right, right. So we prefer to do things like that. And I think there's a sacramental beauty to the idea of, recognizing what this house was built with, you know, and the air mm-hmm. it was built in, but also recognizing it's a house and the house is meant to serve the people that live in there. It is not meant to become this like idol that we worship at all costs and, and do, ex- you know, it's not a museum. We're right. not trying to replicate the era in which it came from. We're just trying to live in it and raise kids in it. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, and then I, I would also say one of the the sacramentality of exemplifying to our kids, you can do hard things. Like yeah. There's, you know, I'm ha- there's the areas of this house where I have really struggled to figure out how, how to renovate it because, you know, like a wall has a lot of dry rot or something, you know, how, how do I fix this? 
there are things that are really difficult for me that I've had to really dive into the research and figure out how to, to do this, but I've figured it out. My kids watch me do that. Yeah. Well, in fact, we've talked about before, there are times when we feel guilty about having our kids live in a forever fixer upper. And there are definitely other sides that mm-hmm. aren't so great to that. But I, I feel like it's one of those things that they'll look back in 20 years and appreciate. They may not, they, they probably don't appreciate it right now as a 16 year old, 13 and 10 year old. Um, well, some, in some ways they might, but I'm sure if they go to their friends' houses that are in the suburbs where everything is just done, I'm sure they go there and breathe the sigh of, sigh of relief and think, oh my gosh, this is what it's like to live in a house that has all its baseboards and and has insulation on all the walls. This must be nice. And, and the, there are reasons to do that. But I mm-hmm. think I am, I, I can see how the kids hopefully, Lord willing, will look back and, and appreciate the sacrament of living in an old house, you know, peeling back the top layer and seeing the divine of what it means to literally build a home. I don't know if you remember this, but when we first moved in, you had talked about one of the side benefits is the idea of knowing all the nooks and crannies of this house. Yes. That forever, like if we live here for 40 years, you will know where that wire behind the drywall leads to that I don't know about, but you Mm -hmm. do. And there's something really cool about knowing every square inch and depth of this house. Correct. I'm curious, Kyle, if you could talk a tiny bit about what it's doing for you inwardly, like as a person living in your own renovation and as a person who is renovating a house for your own family, what is that doing to you in your soul or in your your brain and your body? But, you know, what is it doing to you as a person? Oh my goodness. So there's, I, okay. So I'm an Enneagram nine, right? which means that I can see both the good side of things and the bad side of things. I don't hold strong opinions mm-hmm. and I'm very much a people pleaser. Like yes, I'm, I'm a, I, I hate confrontation. Yeah. Um, And so this project, like, I think in a lot of ways has given me um, a boost in my skills and abilities mm-hmm. that I'm already, or not that I was already strong in them, but you know, we're all, we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. And so I, I've not that again, ego bo- boost, you know, looking at my house and saying, Hey, I've re I've, remodeled all of this this was a terrible house when we bought it but i also see what it's doing to my family living in a fixer upper wishing that they were living in a fully completed house where every outlet works where anywhere you look there's actually something pleasing there's nothing like (laughs) crummy drywall or um paneling on the walls still um (laughs) right you know and so i there is that tension Mm -hmm. in me and as well as like the overwhelmingness of like okay i have a saturday off do i work on the bathroom do i start this other project 
Uh, do I do just normal house maintenance because we've been in this long enough where I've actually gone and fixed things <laughs> that I put in. Yeah. Um, normal house maintenance. N- normal house maintenance. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so there is just that, um, that fresh that, or that, yeah, that frustration that could well up in me, but, when I get overwhelmed, I have to just remember, you know, life isn't always about living in like a finished home. And you know what? It, it reminds me of, so Seth and I are writer types, right? We, our work comes from our brain mostly and comes out through our fingers on a keyboard. And, but really and truly it lives in our brain. These, the stories we write. Your work comes from your hands. And I'm not, and I'm totally not saying, you know, you don't use your brain. I'm just saying what we look at the end result, you know, when I have, when someone can hold a book that I wrote, I can hold, I can look at a table you built or, uh, you know, look at the walls you refinish or whatever it is. Like your work is with your hands. And I think, I think something I've read before is this idea of rest, of Sabbath that it's a really good idea for those of us that work with our heads to rest by working with our hands, Mm -hmm. you know, which is why I think I like gardening so much because I have to look at a screen so much for my work that the last thing I want to do is do that. Whereas when you work with your hands all day for a living Mm -hmm. and then you come home and you continue to work with your hands at a time when you were resting, I think, there's something sacramental about the nature of learning to just choose to rest when it's time, even if the house isn't done, even though you're living in it. So, you know, to read a book, to, right. do, to rest with your mind, yes, to, to listen to music, to, to do whatever it is that truly helps you rest, I think is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. And I think there's a real beauty to that act of trust that act of kind of going where the work leads, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, for people listening who feel a little like they want to live in an old home, but aren't sure where to begin or whether it's worth the effort, what would you say? <laughs> that's, that's really tough because I feel like I made, or you and I made the decision for us. Yeah. I, I don't really remember seeking counsel. Well, I think we both agree that we have experienced that we just feel a little different than yeah. a lot of our peers. And that's not a bad thing. Right. Um, our, our friends are not wrong for not wanting to live in a fixer upper. I think it takes a unique kind of person. It's just that this is the choice that we have made for the cost. This is the price we're paying. Exactly. The cost of living where we live in a neighborhood that's super walkable and historic. And that's where we've chosen to invest in. Yes. And and I like how you put it earlier. Like we were basically banking on our sweat, not on our money. Yeah. And I think we kind of have lucked out. Like we haven't uh, so far. um, I don't feel like we have purchased a money pit. Um, no. Yeah. Well, and just be aware that there's a cost to all decisions. Right. Like 
there is just as much a cost of buying a fully made home that is perhaps in a not ideal location, but you don't have to do anything to it. You can walk in and move in. And so it's not that any one choice is better than the other. It's just considering what you care about. Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I, we have talked about how we um, have purposely chosen to live in a smaller home so that we can afford it and not uh, be house poor, not have too much money tied up in our home so that we can do things like travel. Like we care right. more about that and we'd rather do that and live in a small house or not have super fancy cars or whatever. It's the same thing in choosing whether you live in an old fixer upper or a new home. There's just, right. you know, there's and, pros and cons. And we have definitely felt some of the negatives of having a home that is a, a renovation, whether that's, do we feel comfortable having people over when the house is in this stage? Right. Do we feel uh, comfortable spending money on a vacation or taking the time out to do something else as opposed to staying here? Because there's always the, work to be done. Because there's always work to be done. Right. And as you know, and there's that tension of, you know, when you're on a vacation, like, I just want to be home working on the house, but I also, you know, I'm at the point, there's times where I wake up and I feel like I wake up in my office. I wake up at my job and it's like everywhere I look, I see something that needs to be done. And 99% of the time, it's going to be done by me because I, Yeah, because I don't want my kid to be, you know, or, you know, having to work with a table saw when he's not ready or, you know, my daughter getting electrocuted or, you know, some things like that. Mm -hmm. But you're still glad overall that you're doing it? I am. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, hindsight 2020, you know, I'm choosing to be thankful for the the things that we the choices that we have made mm-hmm. and the uh, the opportunities that we have had. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, to kind of bring it full circle back to the quote from GK Chesterton, he talks about that truth, the truth is that the home is the only place of liberty, the only spot on earth where a man can alter arrangements suddenly. Mm-hmm. Make an experiment or indulge in a whim. And the home is not the one tame place in a world of adventure. It's the one wild place in a world of rules and set tasks. I would say that's this house pretty much. Very much. Um, yeah, it's been quite an adventure. Um, and there's been lots of whims taken. Um, and I know that he probably isn't thinking of like, oh, living in a fixer upper, but there's things that I've learned and just challenges that I've gone through here that have actually made me a better person in out in the world. Well, and I think that there is a real beauty to the idea that you more or less became the neighborhood handyman. And, you know, who knows what will happen from those relationships that you built a little bit, you know, as our neighbor, our friends down the street said, you are officially the patron saint of what did she say? Like cracked pipes and old ladies, (laughs) sweet old ladies. 
Um, and I, I just think there's a real beauty to that. The idea that, you know, our neighborhood is old. All the houses are of all sorts of eras. You know, our house is by far not the oldest one. No. And there is something old school about our neighborhood that I just love. And I think that's reflected in the old architecture and in renovating it slowly. I think there is yes. a real beauty to it, just embodying the kind of life that we want to live and the life that we live here. So thank you for the work that you do and for the money you save us. <laughs> it does not go unappreciated. Oh, you're very welcome. Well, thank you for putting up with the slow renovation and the tools that are sitting right next to where you're trying to make a make dinner and yeah we'll um, talk about that later <laughs> i'm just joking you're most welcome all right so seth and i like to wrap up our conversations talking about something that we are reading watching or listening to so it would make complete sense to ask you as well so kyle what's the one thing that you are currently reading watching or listening to so i found this podcast it's called gone by the Parcast Network, which hmm. I think Parcast Par is for what I'm guessing it means like it's like paranormal or something like that. But uh, they just have they have some good mystery type podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um or just um like they have a podcast called Tales, which is just they just tell um old fairy tales. So like a lot of Hans Christian Andersen, um, Pierrot, um, just all the classic fairy tales. Hmm. Cool. Um, I listened to one that was from like a, a uh, but I've been listening specifically to a podcast the past couple of days called Gone, which I'm not very much of a historian, as I just mentioned earlier, but it's interesting listening to uh, them talk about the different things, different or people and items and things like that that got lost to time or that we just don't, you know, we don't know what happened to them. So like today I listened to them talking about um, D.B. Cooper, who is the guy that hijacked a plane and then jumped out of the back of it with like uh, $200,000, you know, which is like a million, a little more than a billion in today's money and vanished. I also talked, uh, listened to the one about um, the library at Alexandria and oh, yeah. just trying to figure out um, what happened to that. Or, hmm. and so they just talk about what may have happened, or, you know, they also bring up the history of it um, and potential theories of what, where it is or what happened to it. And mm-hmm. I just find that stuff fascinating, especially when it's well told. Yeah. Yeah. Good storytelling is hard to find. It is. Yeah. So um, how about you? Well, so I typically talk about a story related thing. And this time, though, I'm getting really practical, I guess, maybe because I knew I was talking to you. (laughs) And we were talking about home renovation. This is the time of year where I am thinking pretty much nonstop about gardening. And I'm even having a hard time staying focused on my book writing and my other kind of work. All I want to do is be in the backyard working on the garden and the raised beds that you just finished building and, um, you know, getting the soil ready and planting because here in central Texas, it is time. So 
it is a YouTube channel called Really Straightforward Garden Answers. It is this woman named Laura. She's up in the area of Oregon where we used to live, I think. And she is just really personable and friendly and straightforward. You know how you just find a good YouTube channel that just gets to the point. Mm -hmm. Their videos are super helpful. They're well-produced. They really just, they have a ton of them. And so she's been really helpful. So if I search for something really obscure, like this morning I was searching our um, irrigation lines that we want to put in, she had videos on that. Like who knew she has videos on strawberries and containers, how to plant certain types of potatoes and lavender and salvia and all. I mean, and so anyway, Garden Answers on YouTube is my current watch. Like I find myself even whenever I would normally watch a show, I'm just watching YouTube videos on gardening right now because that's just <laughs> what I'm in the mood for. And I know the season will be gone before I know it and I'll be back to doing something besides gardening, but this is what's on my mind. So I love her channel. Good. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, it is time to wrap this up and our kids are gonna be happy because they want dinner. Um, you can always support me and Seth's individual work via our newsletters on Substack. But if you want to support this show, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash drinks. And this is where you can pick up the next round of drinks for just a few bucks, which really helps keep the lights on around here. And the link for that is also in the show notes. You can find me at tishoxenwriter.com. And that's where you can find links to all my things, my books and all the other stuff I work on. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Caroline Tassell is our transcriber and assistant extraordinaire. And this is especially weird. Editing is by a certain one Kyle Oxenrider. Thanks for editing the show, Kyle. Oh, you're <laughs> welcome. My pleasure. I'm, I'm Tish Oxenrider and Seth and I will be back here with you soon. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>